0: Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Good morning, Seeds family, and uh, happy Father's Day to all you dads. You know, we had some, uh, some dad jokes, and uh, I'm kind of known for my dad jokes, yeah. if, I, if yeah. I must say so. Kind of short on time, so, well, I may do just a couple. I've had a lot of requests for my dad jokes, but I tell them anyway. Um, the knock-knock reminded me of one. So here's a good one. Did you hear about the new action movie about spaghetti? It's called Mission Impossible. What do you call a person who doesn't believe in Christmas parties? An eggnog stick. For so you left brainers. To the person who stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I want you to know I'm coming after you. You have my word. (laughs) When you get the, the, the sideways head shake, you know, that's a good one. Okay. Why did the captain refuse to dock his boat in front of his friends? Because of all the peer pressure. See, I should have cut that one. My friend told me he switched to sensitive toothpaste, but I don't think it's working because he still can be rude. <laughs> like the toothpaste was gonna help him. No. Okay, two more. What did one man say what did one snowman say to the other snowman? I smell carrots. Do you smell carrots? <laughs> well, I kinda went downhill with those. Okay, here's the final one. This is my favorite knock-knock joke. You have to play along. Knock-knock. Rude, interrupting cow. Moo, 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 moo. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I have a fan. A fan. Well, fathers, um, I do appreciate you. I I appreciate all you do. And this is my first time to ever preach a Father's Day sermon. And I've always kind of given. my my pastor friends the business because, you know, every Mother's Day we do the the wife of noble character Proverbs 31 and we give out roses and that's wonderful. When I was a kid, everyone wore a rose, either a red or a white based on whether your mom was with us or not. And then it would come time for Father's Day and it was always iron sharpening iron and we're going to beat you guys up. (laughs) So you know, this is my chance, and and I'm a blue. If you've taken the colors test, I'm as blue as blue gets. So it's not my tendency to to take things on as much. I just want everybody to to be loved and appreciated. And the blue in me would want us just, just to have like just a bro fest, you know, bro hugs, bro fives. I could read some broetry to you. <laughs> We could put some of this on our barbecue. Yeah. There you go. I just made that one up. So. <laughs> there <you go>. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, once I dug into this, um, we're just in a war. We are in a battle for fathers in America. And I can't get that from my heart. And so I'm not like taking you on in a bad way. I'm, I thought it would be best if we could just lay out some steps, some checklists, some roadmap as to the attributes of a godly father, to have the heart of a father. And so I have seven things that I'm going to look at together today. Let's start with a prayer. Lord, I feel like you've given this to me, and I feel like the things that have happened, even in the video, things I knew nothing about, it just all confirms. Uh, we want to love our fathers. We want to show them how valuable they are. But as fathers, we also want to make sure we're doing everything we can to lead our families and to lead our homes. Help me, Lord, to say exactly what you want said and open the ears of the listeners uh, that we can all grow together in this next 20 minutes. Amen. So I have seven things that represent the heart of a father. The first is a father's heart provides and protects. That is Father 101. And there will be scriptures for each one, and I may read some, but others are just to make sure uh, that I'm showing you some of the word of the Bible that backs it up. One thing God is called is Jehovah Jireh, and as fathers seeking the Father's heart, that means we are providers. You know the story where Abraham was prepared. He had the knife raised to sacrifice his son which mirrored what we would find in the New Testament. But at that last moment, God provided for him. Now, when we say provider, we often think he makes good money. Yes, fathers are to be generous, but they are not just about money for the family. If you think of the father as just an ATM, you're doing him a great injustice. But good and godly fathers, they will enrich your life in profound ways. They'll give you wisdom, They'll give you counsel. They'll give you perspective. Their experience will give you insights. And they will model to you healthy friendship. And they will model for you healthy trust. In addition, the Father is protective. It is his assignment from God to protect you. It is the base of who we are. And I love Psalm 91.4. I think of this eagle that has it's little ones covered under his wings, protecting us. And that's what God does for us, and that's what we as fathers are to do for our family. Both physically and spiritually, we are to protect them. Protect them against danger, protect them against the enemy's attack, protect them against trouble they don't even know that might be coming. When I think about what I know my father did to protect our family, I know I can look back now and see ways that, He fought things off that could have hit me before I even knew it or that I never even knew. And that's what a loving father does. As you mature, a loving father will let you step out. The point is not to protect you forever, to be that helicopter that swoops in and fixes everything, but to help you grow. But to help you grow where you only fail a little or you succeed a little. I remember when my son was six years old. He's the firstborn in the family. How many firstborns do we have? I am so sorry. (laughs) We were faking it, but we didn't always know exactly what we were doing. So I found out that he was afraid of the monkey bars. So here comes Super Dad. Teachable moment for a six-year-old. So I take him to the playground, and I'm like, okay, son, you can do these monkey bars. I believe in you. I'm going to hold you up. You put your arms on the monkey bars, and I will be there. I will hold you. You're gonna do this. And so I was like, just let go of your left hand. And he's like,
1: uh
0: I was like, I got you, buddy. So finally he did, and he grabbed that next one. I was like, okay, let's do it again. You gotta let go before you can move forward. Now that's that'll preach right there. That was profound. It was over his head, but I thought it was awesome at the time. So he let go, but I had him the whole way. It's like, okay you got this. Daddy's right here. And so each step, we made it all the way across the monkey bar. So we started to come back the other way, and I started letting go a little bit. And he did it like three or four times. Each time I was still there if he fell, but I was giving him more and more ability to stretch. And he conquered the monkey bars. I was doing that slow motion overbite thing that dads do I rocked it. I was dad of the year for a day. Because the next day he went to recess and fell off the monkey bars and broke his arm. (laughs) So that goes to your dad fail list that you guys were talking about. But the point is the father is there as you grow, as you move on. He is there to protect you and he is there to provide for you. Secondly, a father's heart promotes and delights in his children. I love this scripture in Proverbs says then I was beside him as a master workman and I was his God's daily delight rejoicing always before him rejoicing in the world his earth and having my delight in the sons of men. You see we're a conduit as God delights in us and we sense that then we are able to transfer that to our families. That's beautiful. The father is selfless. He's always encouraging, his focus is on his family first, and he delights more in building his children up than meeting his own desires or needs. Have you ever seen that ballpark dad, moms can do this too, where they're like up on the fence, you know, and they're like, go, you know, just, just screaming, and everything their kid does, you start getting the feeling of, this is a whole lot more about this kid not letting dad down than it is that the kid have fun. If I'm stepping on your toes, I apologize for that. Yeah. That's the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. I heard another story recently of, of a speaker. Every year, every summer, he would take one of his three kids on a vacation. And he said he was speaking in Orlando, so he took his little boy to Disney World. And they started out you know, the couple pictures at the, the front gates and all. But that night when he was back in his hotel room, He started going through his pictures and he realized a pattern. You know you have the castle, you have Epcot, you have the beautiful parades. He didn't have one picture that didn't have his little boy in it and he realized how much it magnified his joy to have pictures of his child with that wonder that he was it's happier for him to see those things through his child's eyes. That kind of joy That's the heart of a father. Dads, we're not trying to impress our families so that they will love us and admire us. If you will love them as God the Father loves you, that admiration will come. Thirdly, the Father's heart serves as priest and prophet for his home. Now, before you say, "Uh, no, I'm not ordained and I do not have the gift of prophecy. Let me explain. I believe we're under intense spiritual warfare. I believe it is to the point of being epidemic. And I believe that society wants to emasculate men. What I mean by that is they want to deprive you of your God-given identity and call and role to the family. We're to be spiritual leaders, priests over our own homes as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob raised the next one up and passed that torch to them, that they became the patriarch over their family. I love this account of Noah. Notice they'd been been out for so long on the floods, and then when everything subsided and they were on dry land, he exited off of the ark and took his family. You would naturally think, okay, let's gather any firewood that would be dry to build a fire for warmth or let's put some brush together and do something for a shelter for my family but what's the first thing he did he built an altar because he knew he was priest over his family first of all and brothers that's the kind of life that we need to model for our family and that begins with prayer i'm glad you're here i've If you come every Sunday with your family, that's wonderful, but that's not enough. And if you come to God just when you have exhausted everything you can do as kind of an emergency plan, I heard T.D. Jakes say, some of you brothers don't even call on God until you're like, I need $273 by Thursday, Lord. (laughs) We don't want to be that. We want to call on God daily. I want you to pray over and with your wives Pray with and over your children. And if that's something you haven't been doing, I challenge you, pray with your family. And you know, if you want to just start start simply, But simply start. Now the enemy, when you take this on, the enemy's going to come to you and say, you're not enough, you can't lead your family, you're not worthy to lead your family, do it anyway. And your past is going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, remember me? Those things you did, that disqualified you long ago. You can't lead. Do it anyway. If you step into this role of truly being the priest over your family in a godly way, the world's going to tell you that's arrogance and I think we call it toxic masculinity now. Do it anyway. You're a prophet. That means you are to speak the hope and promises to God over your family. This is their destiny and their identity. And that doesn't need to be a list of their negative things. Your kids already know their weaknesses. We don't need to keep reminding them of that. We need to speak over them what they can be. Speak over them the promises of God. I love this story. It's very tragic, but it's a beautiful story in Genesis 35. Story of Rachel and Jacob. If you don't know this story, I would invite you to read the whole thing of everything that Jacob went through to to win Rachel. He loved her dearly. And we find in this scripture that Rachel is laying, she's dying, she's giving birth to the second son that she gave to Jacob. And out of her agony and out of her pain and, and just about to die, as the baby is born and they say it's a boy, she says his name will be Ben Onai, which means child of my sorrow. Child of my trouble. And first of all, let me say, please don't scar your children with your pain. Don't give that down to your kids. But she had named him this, Child of My Sorrows. And when they presented this son to the father Jacob, he had to be grieving. His wife had just died. And they told him that it had been named Ben Onai. He said, No. That will not be his name. I won't let him go through life thinking every day, being reminded that his birth caused the mother he never knew her life. Instead, I'm going to speak and prophesy over him that his name will be Benjamin, child of my right hand, a name of power, a name of strength, a name of daily affirmation of who God says he is and can be. From that line of Benjamin, we see kings of Israel that came along. Even down to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul came from the line of Benjamin. Fathers, pray blessing and promise over your children. Number four, a father's heart is patient and nurturing. This, this runs through the Psalms. I just, uh, three of them say basically the same thing. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. A father's heart is never bothered by his children. Now, they get on your nerves. They will get on your nerves. But the point is, a father's heart is open and it's caring and it's understanding. And I know I've been there. You come in from work, you're exhausted, and you need desperately to just drop in a chair and just chill. But we've got to be conscious, and that's okay for a day every now and then, but we've got to build a culture in our homes that says that your children are welcomed to nurturing and to a relationship at any time. I saw this report that just absolutely shook me. They took a group of young boys, like 13, 14, 15, and they interviewed them. They said, okay, to learn how to tie a necktie, And to learn how to shave with a straight razor. And even to ask a girl you have a crush on, on a date, where will you go? 6% said to my father. 94% said, Google search, YouTube video. That breaks my heart because I remember my dad my family traveled and sang every week, and so I wore little clip-on ties, you know. But when I got older, if you're a, if you're a man and still wear a clip-on, I'm not, well, I am judging you. But anyway. <laughs> I will. Well, there's a YouTube video you can watch, apparently. But when my dad taught me how to tie my own necktie, and then when my son came along, I was able to say, Adam, this is how, actually, I didn't do that because I couldn't. I got behind him and looked in the mirror and said, Adam, this is how you tie a necktie. And then my grandfather, they were visiting when I was about 13, starting to get a little bit of that peach fuzz, you know, that you're so proud of at that age. And he said, hey, Russell, come in here into the guest bathroom. He said, I just got this new electric Norelco razor. How about this? And he turned it on, and I just rubbed it on my face, pretending it was doing something, you know. And then he took Old Spice. Seemed like a gallon. Just bloop, bloop, bloop. And he went... And he reached over and slapped my face a little bit, you know. I don't do the old spice thing, but it was charming that he did. And then when my grandfather passed away, each of the grandchildren, we had a chance to just go find something that we wanted that meant something to us. You better believe I wanted that Norelco razor. I never used it, but I still have it. And it means so much to me. So, fathers, when you come in, and if your child wants to talk or to share, or to ask you for help, or just, you know, that awkward thing where they just kind of come in and they're with you, and you know they're just begging you to pry something out of them, please do that, be intentional to do that, if it means turning off the TV, or saying, Alexa, pause, or (laughs) stop doing this, you know, just get out of the chair, Pastor J.D.'s father, he's a wonderful children's pastor, and he does the thing that cry, it just makes me cry every time. When he's talking to a little kid, it's not this. He gets down on one knee, and he looks that child in the eyes. When you do that, that fills that child with confidence and happiness, knowing that they have all of your attention. Those things are small, but they mean so much over a lifetime. A father's heart, number five, never abandons. Says he watches over you and will not slumber. Dads, society needs you to stay. Your place is being present and deeply involved in the lives of your children. So many have run away and escaped. I believe it is truly an epidemic. It's the thing that doesn't get reported in America. And I won't, I won't take a rabbit trail here. But politicians can't win on it, on fatherlessness. And community organizers can't raise money on fatherlessness. So it doesn't get talked about. But I saw statistics that said there are parts of America where over half of the homes with children in them are fatherless. And even among that other portion, many of them are not quality fathers. And the vast majority of juvenile detention young men were raised fatherless. I've seen stats that say up to 85% were fatherless. A father stays no matter what. A father runs to the problem, not away from it. When your family's in distress, they need a father more than anything. Number six. A father's heart forgives and restores. I love this in Acts where it says, Repent then and turn to God So that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see that pattern? Repent, and then refreshing. That's the way a loving father God treats us, his children. You repent, then he forgives, and there is restoration. If you're a father here today, and you didn't have a good model of a father there was a dysfunction or just total absence. I beg you, please stop it in your generation. Let's not pass this on to our generations past us. Change the trajectory of generations to come by being the one that says that dysfunction will stop here. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, I cringe when I hear people, and this is a real southern thing, Say, well, I can't help it. That's the way I was raised. That just... I'll give you half of that. It was the way you you were raised. Okay. But you can't help it. See, Jesus, in his salvation, he bought for us. He bought for us that path to forgiveness. The grace of Christ. And then he sent the Holy Spirit that works with us daily, leading us to be able to overcome those obstacles. The Father's heart also asks for forgiveness. I wasn't going to say this, but I actually had to ask one of my children for forgiveness just last Monday. I disappointed my child. And rather than doing what guys tend to want to do and just say, well, they'll forget about it, just let it go. And then weeks later, it was much worse. I went straight to them and said, I'm so sorry. I disappointed you. And there was instant forgiveness, and there was restoration very quickly. A man's man, typical guy, might want to say, Well, I don't cry, and I don't say I'm sorry. I just have to deal with it. And I don't, uh, I don't say I love you. If you can't figure out I love you by what I do for you, then that's just your problem. That's not a man's man. That's not a man at all. A man of God will go to his child even and say, Wow, I get this right some days. But last Monday, I didn't get this right. Can you forgive me? I'm going to ask every man that is in in the the room here, uh, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. If you're fathers, please come. We want to pray over you today. And if you are not a father, you're still a man that's called as a servant of Christ to be a father figure for someone. We talked about juvenile delinquency. And the problems that can be helped. If we have fathers that will step in. So if you'll come at this time. I have one more point, And I've asked Pastor JD. To pray over our men. If you'll just come on down. Would
1: you guys just come on down here. And
0: line the front. And just face, yeah. face us. And then ladies I'll ask you. Once they're down here If you'll fill in as best as possible I would love to see Someone praying with and over Every man The last attribute to a father's heart It models Christ Joshua said Choose you this day who you're going to serve But as for me and my house We will serve the Lord Whether you're a father That has children Or a father figure to be We are called to serve and to guide and to give the example of Christ to others. You know, this mystery of a God, it still blows my mind, this whole Trinity concept, a God who created everything. We are his created, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. And this Trinity where each of the three functions independently, but then they are always seamlessly complementing each other. So when humankind caused that chasm to come between God and his children. He sacrificed his son. You know the story. And so when Jesus came, he bought the healing. But then Jesus treats his church in a way that we're to treat our families. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. Pastor's done a beautiful job the last few weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. So we have victory that was given to us through Christ. And then we have the Holy Spirit to walk with us with fresh mercies every day. That's a pretty good deal. So the two things that I would leave you with, let's love Jesus with our whole hearts and seek him. And then secondly, love your wife and your children the same way that Christ loves the church. And if these points, if, if you're not doing them all, like I said, start simply, but simply start. Start. This church will walk with you. If you have questions or problems along the way, we'll walk with you. I want to see us have strong men in this church rising up and doing all that God has called us to do. I'm going to give it to Pastor. now.
1: Thank you, Pastor Russell. I want to... So many, so many good points there. And I want to just say this. The beginning of being a good father beginning of being the father that God created you to be is to understand his heart for you his heart for you and I we not all of us had great examples of that some of us had wonderful examples and as wonderful as our some of our examples were God's even exponentially greater than the examples that some of our dads were to us the good dads some of us didn't have any examples some of us had horrible examples and so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to start revealing to us and downloading to us a revelation of God's Father heart for you. And then that's going to open up everything else. It's going to open up the door for you to be the best husband that you can be. It's going to open up the, the door to be the best dad you can be. It's going to be, open up the door to be the, exactly who God created you and intended you to be all along. And it starts with getting that revelation of God's father heart for you as you are his son. And I want to address any, any single moms in the house. And you're like, well, I'm doing this alone. I don't have the advantage of a father in the home. I would say, we got a lot of fathers here who would love to come alongside your kids and show them what it looks like to be a man. Show your, your son what it looks like to be a man, to show your daughter what it looks like to have a good dad if you don't if their dad is not in their life and it's not a good relationship, but you just come and be in a relationship with us. So I want to encourage you single moms with that. Right now, want everybody else in the room would you stretch your hands forward to these guys? And guys, I want you to put your hands out as in the position to receive. And you know, this position right here, it's, it's a dual position. It's a it's a position of surrender where you go, well, God, here's the junk that I, I deal with. Here's the weight that I deal with. Because some of you, you beat yourself up. You're believing lies of the enemy. You're believing the lies of the culture. And God has called called you to be strong men. But in order to do that you got to release the things that you're carrying that aren't from the Lord. And then once those things are released, you're now in the position to receive the revelation of the Father's heart for you. So, Lord, here we are with our hands stretched out, with our hands in this position of where we're saying, God, we release. And so right now, by an act of faith... An act of faith, God, now we declare all those things, all those lies that we're believing about ourselves, all the lies that we're believing about what it looks like to be a father in our culture that aren't from you, God, we release those things in the name of Jesus. We just right now as an act of faith, we prophetically say they do not belong to us. We release them. We let them go. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now you begin to highlight to each and every one of these Men here, each and every one of these fathers here, the lies that they've been believing, the the things that are not true, and give them the courage and the boldness right now in the name of Jesus to just drop those at the foot of the cross, release those, and not identify with those. So we renounce any of those strongholds right now in the name of Jesus. We come against the, 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 the plan and the attack of the enemy. We resist that. We do not accept that. We come out of agreement, and we come into agreement that we are the sons of God and that he is well-pleased with us just like he was well-pleased with Jesus because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are made sons because of the sacrifice and the resurrection. We've been raised to new life. So that's how we identify. And so, Lord, now we are ready to receive revelation of who you are as a father. Lord, I just I thank you for the testimony that we heard in the video earlier from, from Jonathan, uh, talking about how unconditional love, and he saw that from his father, and he wants to be that to his kids. And Lord, I thank you for the testimony that we saw from Tim, who didn't have that as his, fa- his earthly father, wasn't that to him, but he's getting it downloaded to him directly from you, Holy Spirit. And so no matter where we are on that spectrum, each and every one of us, we receive right now revelation of who you are as father. We receive right now a revelation of what it means for us to be your sons, God. Not in relation to exactly the way it looked like with our own fathers, our earthly fathers. God, we look at you and we declare you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Where we have shortcomings, where our fathers have had shortcomings, you have no shortcomings You are perfect in all of your ways. You are a good, good father. And we receive that revelation now by faith. And we receive that revelation over us that we will be good fathers. We will be good fathers because you're a good father. Do a miracle in our hearts, God. Do a work of revelation in our hearts.
0: Thanks for listening.